I'm Stanley Ulyashik, Fellow of St. Cross College, Oxford, and Professor of Human Ecology at the University of Oxford School of Anthropology. My everyday research life at the University of Oxford is guided by two themes. The first of these is that of evolution and human diet and nutrition. The second of these is body fatness and obesity and how it's produced in human populations. With this theme, body fatness and obesity, I direct the unit for biocultural variation and obesity, which concerns itself with social and societal aspects of food, diet, body size, body fatness, and nutritional state. We as a group have been going since 2007, and you can find us and catch up with our program of research on www.oxfordobesity.org, and also with our podcasts on University of Oxford Podcasts. My work on COVID-19 lockdown is an ongoing element of a project that was running before COVID-19. The pandemic has dominated headlines everywhere over the past 12 months, affecting the lives and activities of everybody across the four corners of the globe. Across the year, I've had podcast conversations with fellows who are at the front line of COVID-19 research in many different ways. I've spoken with Andrew Pollard, with Rana Mitter, with Michael Parker, Achilles Kapanidis, Dan Hicks, Matthew Snape, and Julian Savulescu. It's been a privilege to share their quest for knowledge about COVID-19 and its impacts. This particular podcast now is about my own involvement in COVID-19 research. First, let me take you back to March 2020. At the University of Oxford, Hillary term was coming to a close. I recall giving my very last lecture of term on the very last day of term, a lecture on obesity, appetite and eating. In this lecture, I usually demonstrate a point about eating pleasure in the brain by offering chocolate to the students, dark chocolate or milk chocolate, according to preference, then asking them about their mental experience of consuming the small piece of chocolate that I'd just offered them. This time, when I offered chocolate, there were absolutely no takers, none at all. Something had changed. Students were refusing free chocolate. A couple of weeks later, we went into lockdown. Lockdown one, as it's now known. Prior to COVID-19, the research in my group with co-researchers Caroline Potter, Karine Ellie, Anna Levis, Paulina Nowitzka, and Sabine Parrish was on understanding how the domestic environment mediated physical activity and eating in the production of overweight and obesity. This is an important and under-researched aspect of the production of health and well-being, given that people spend a lot of time at home in the domestic space, especially across winter. This was work of policy relevance at the time, but it became even more so with the first lockdown in the UK. I know everybody has their own experience of lockdown, their own memories, the uncertainties, the anxiety, interpreting the rules, working out what you could and could not do, and the panic buying of food, storing up food for an unknown future. This in itself was all very interesting and important from a research perspective. My decades of research on the evolutionary basis of overeating told me that this was to be expected. This is because the main way for all animal species to deal with uncertainty is to hoard food, either by eating as much as they can and storing fat on their body, or by keeping it in storage in one way or another. What was happening in the UK and in many other countries was a classic response to uncertainty. My family did it too. We stored like everybody else. And then there was what panic buying did to the food supply chain, as unexpected patterns of food buying disrupted the just-in-time supply chain, expert systems that are governed by purchasing patterns. 
as well as the epicenter of the pandemic being in Wuhan in China, which itself is a key place in the global supply chain for most things, lockdown in Wuhan created food supply havoc across the world. The research we did in the UK involved understanding the impact of COVID-19 lockdowns on physical and mental health. Our existing work prior to COVID-19 was in response to a policy-relevant need to understand how the domestic sphere influences health and health behaviour. Then along came COVID-19, which made this type of research pressingly important, especially during the first lockdown when people really didn't know what was happening. We wanted to determine what effects household isolation and social distancing would have on mental and physical health. The aim was to inform policy initiatives based on sound evidence of current and emerging patterns within household environments that would impact on the health of the population of the UK. We were well positioned, given our previous research, to modify our research protocols very quickly and effectively. The work we did, a novel survey carried out online, was funded by the University of Oxford's Social Science Division's COVID-19 Urgent Response Fund, with the intention of undertaking it rapidly and conducting speedy analysis to write and submit two insight reports for the UK Parliament. From start to finish, we had first report out within eight weeks of the project being initiated. Dramatic progress in terms of doing a very rapid uh, piece of survey work, including the analysis. Over a thousand people responded, many responded to follow-up. Research, which was undertaken at the height of lockdown one, found that dietary patterns suddenly shifted, better for some, worse for many, in response to reduced access to usual food supplies. Physical activity levels also changed sharply, increasing for some while dramatically reducing for others. Remember early in lockdown, there were so many people on their bicycles cycling everywhere else. Well, there were many more people who were stuck at home, not able to do anything or go out very much. There was also a stark rise in negative mental health, especially in suicidal tendencies and in disordered eating. Related to this was increased binge eating and consumption of processed snacks and of alcohol. Health outcomes were generally worse among those experiencing economic insecurity and in young people who had the worst mental health outcomes, even after taking into account economic insecurity. Older people seem to be more resilient, something that we weren't expecting and something that we're trying to understand better with our more detailed analyses right now. The three national lockdowns have each dramatically shifted people's living and working routines, with many people working, learning or furloughed at home, and with gyms, leisure facilities and non-essential retail outlets closed, there have been many huge changes in levels of physical activity and eating patterns, as well as in mental health. Most of the things that we observed were interrelated. Domestic space became very important and underwent upheaval as people struggled to adapt to full-time work from home. People got bored, people got irritable, tired, many snacked much more and developed an affinity for the very foods that can lead to obesity and increased fatness, but which taste so good and are so, so comforting in times of stress. In parallel with this, I ran a podcast series called Lockdown Food with a former St. Cross student, Tess Bird. She went on to do a defil with me and she's since graduated. In Lockdown Food, we interviewed people, both academic and non-academic, about their experiences with food under COVID-19. The interviews were recorded online and we could see how things were with food through the eyes of our interviewees in Denmark, in Switzerland, in Spain, in the United States, in India, as well as in the UK. This comparison has given us a strong record of this time in history when so much went wrong with food. Although the surveys are finished, no more data being collected, the work goes on. 
We are continuing our analysis and write-up for scientific publication, making sense of the complex and changing sets of relationships that have influenced health and health behaviours across the year or so of pandemic, beyond the immediately apparent. We've submitted two insight reports to the UK Parliament, as we promised, and an evidence brief on childhood obesity has gone to DEFRA, the UK Government Department. This was for the UK post-Brexit national food strategy, which incorporated obesity as a consideration late in the day, when it was realised that obesity is a major contributor to COVID-19 deaths. I've also submitted evidence to a House of Lords inquiry into post-COVID-19 futures, which is now underway, and I'm involved in a UK Parliament policy work program on childhood obesity. All told, it's been an unexpectedly busy year and there's plenty more to do.